skydiving. I've always wanted to go skydiving. But when I was younger, I didn't have the money for it. And since I've been married, my wife has strongly discouraged me from jumping out of an airplane for the fear of what could potentially happen. You know, it's, it sounds like a very risky thing to do. And that usually leads into a discussion of risk management. Is it actually risky versus other, other topics? And that's what I want to bring up today is in our, in our lives, our decisions, what is, that, what is risk management? How does that affect us? So I want to start with this article that, that brought this up to my attention. Uh, a lot of times, especially in the news, when there's a, a national tragedy, which those things are horrible, and, and it's, it's very hard to watch those things. A lot of times, statisticians will publish articles following that just to bring awareness. Uh, the, there's one such article by Steven Pinker. He's a Harvard professor, and he published this article in the Harvard Gazette just a little bit, a bit ago, June 21st, 2019. I just want to read what he wrote. He says, uh, one, cell, one death from a self-driving Tesla makes worldwide headlines, but the 1.25 million deaths each year from human-driven vehicles don't. And then and the rest of the article goes on to explain is, you know, we have these shootings, but there's actually more people that die, more children that die in car crashes, drownings, um, or just plain murders than, than these other, you know, national headline tragedies. And the article, that's the intro of the article, then he explains, you know, humans, we have this, tendency to to focus on the outliers and not focus on the actual real risks and which which brings us back to skydiving so i actually did i actually ran the numbers because again my wife and i have this debate fairly frequently and i probably will eventually go skydiving but my, my argument is always well skydiving is actually not that risky compared to other activities we participate in daily specifically car driving and so for this podcast i was, I was curious on that because i because I want to talk about, you know, like, why do we choose the activities we do, specifically in business? Why do we, like, choose to work for the places you work or, or, you know, make business decisions the way we do? And how does that affect us? And I think this is really telling the skydiving analogy is at least. So if, if we're out of, out of skydiving, I think it's like 3.2 million people that go skydiving and 24 deaths a year in skydiving which is a 0.00075% chance of dying from skydiving. Really low, actually. Now, car accidents, car, this is surprising. Now, there wasn't, it's hard to manage because in terms of the actually who's a driver, who's not. So all I did was, for this statistic, I took the total number of car accidents that resulted in deaths, or not total number of car-related deaths per year. And just divided that by the population of the United States, and it's 0.012%. Again, and that's probably actually the total population of the United States does not actually get in a vehicle as much. You know, so there's probably a lot of it's probably that's probably a, a lower percentage than it should be. But even factoring that in, you are 1.6 times more likely to die in a car accident than you are skydiving. That's it's a multiple. It's not like 20% more, it's 1.6 times more, it's 160% more likely to die in a car accident skydiving. And so it's just, it's just so funny is everybody gets in cars every day and we drive around and we feel so safe. Well, sometimes we feel safe. It depends on who's driving the car, but we avoid an activity like skydiving because we perceive it as risky, but in reality, it's actually less risky. And again, that's, that's a, this is, that's a story or analogy to bring this, this concept of 
why do we do the things we do? What's the, how does risk affect our risk aversion or risk tolerance or risk management affect our decisions in business? For risks, I want to separate them into two different categories because there are some risks we willingly choose and other ones that are just random happenstance. For example, and I think that's with the skydiving thing, right? Skydiving in most cases, probably a 99.9% of cases is something we choose to do or a risk we choose to take. Whereas car accidents, typically we're not engaging in that activity because for like a thrill or to put our, our lives at risk, we're engaging that activity to perform, you know, our daily function, but the, the risk is still there. So I want to, in terms of what we're talking about in business and work there, I think there are two different types of risks. One is the likelihood that something's going to happen out of your control. And then one is the likelihood that something is in your control. Uh, the, now, we can try to manage the things that are in our control. Some people just take really risky work jobs uh, where there's a lot out of your control, you know, the, the 3D jobs or 4D now, whatever they, they have, uh, Dirty Dangerous, and I don't know the other off the top of my head, but there, there's those kind of those, those, those kind of risks as a business, but there's also risks that we can litigate or like mitigate and manage. And so specifically, I want to talk, we'll get to this in a second, but like, starting your own business versus staying in a company. I had a good conversation with a friend about this yesterday, you know, what's what's riskier? And I think it really depends on the individual. And I'll kind of talk about our, or summarize our discussion. But so for, first I want to talk about for an employee, right? Is it is it risky to be an employee for a company? And I, I think nowadays it's a lot riskier than it used to be. I remember talking to my grandparents and or even our parents, my parents, and a lot of them had this concept that you went to a company, you stayed there for a long time, you got a pension, the company took care of you, you were, you were loyal to the company and, and all as well. And nowadays that is definitely not there. Like there is way higher churn among almost every employer in the United States, at least compared to what it was 10, 15 years ago. And so I think in terms of being an employee, there is, there is a, a fair amount of risk there but there's a lot of things you can do to mitigate that risk as an employee, right? Well, so I want to first talk about experience that like sometimes you just can't, right? So sometimes companies just lay off people. Like for example, Toys R Us laid off 30,000 people this last year. And those people, there, there's nothing, there's not very much they could have done to, to do that. Or, you know, that, that was a just retail fatality, right? But, or let's look at Enron, an employee working for Enron, you know, years and years ago, someone, lots of people from the executive level, not just someone, lots of people from the executive level made poor decisions and that damaged people's lives. There's not a lot they could control to do that. Um, so don't, it's hard to focus on what we can't control, but what we can't control as an employee is things that mitigate or really just bring value to, to our worker or to our workplace and to our employer. So they, that like that likelihood of getting fired or laid off or losing your job is very low. And uh, with discussing my friend yesterday, really there's two, two things that people do or three things that people can do just to mitigate the risk of getting fired or losing your job outside the, the random events, right? Like a company going under. And it's just really simple, three things. Showing up on time, doing what you're told the first time and helping others, right? Those like basic things you, you learn in school. Don't be tardy to class. <laughs> do your homework and just be a good citizen. Right. And it, it's, it's so simple. It's maddeningly simple, but it's so interesting how many people don't actually do those things. 
And I imagine if I looked at the late Bureau of Labor Statistics right now and dove into those numbers, the it's it, so actually I, I did dive into a bit. One point two percent of the workforce is laid off every day. Uh, so that, that's the tr- the average churn on a nationwide basis. I bet you if I looked at one point two percent of the workforce that's fired, probably eighty percent did something to initiate or like start that firing, and it probably rely ended up being not showing up in time, not doing what they're told, not being a good assistant, and usually specifically some kind of lie was involved. And uh, if you if you just do those three simple things, it, you'd, you'd mitigate so much risk with work and you just bring a lot of value to to the organization you're working in. Now, again, show, now to get a little more specific, showing up on time, that's pretty obvious. You know, being a good citizen, we know what that is. But doing what you're told, I wanted to elaborate on that because some people just don't understand what it means to do what you're told and, and not in a bad way. That's what I really mean is just being humble and doing the, doing your job, doing it well. One, one funny thing I would, this is a story I always tell reps or, and actually with reps, when I teach them to knock doors. I always say, okay, do what you're told to do the first time, even though it's awkward because it's going to make you successful in this job, specifically knocking doors. And, and one exercise we do, well, it's, it's a door knocking technique is when we knock on the door, I stand back and I ignore the homeowner until they say, hi, can I help you? Or, is, is something what you're here for until they engage first. That's really counterintuitive, but it, it, it's a really good technique to help someone get engaged and not just like shut the door on your face. So it's funny every time though, I tell my employees, that I say, hey, just sit back, watch what I'm doing and, and don't like, it's gonna be awkward, but don't interrupt, just watch. Never have I had anybody not interrupt because it's so awkward. And even though I tell them, do what you're told and what I'm telling you to do is, ignore this person and be a little awkward and let them engage first because it's counterintuitive what they're used to. They just, they don't do what they're told. And they, they, oh, sorry, that's my boss. He's really busy on his phone. We're, we're here with solar, you know, and the instant they say that, it's like, the person's like, oh, I'm not interested in yourselves. And they shut the door, you know? Um, it's just, but so doing what you're told, even if you don't understand what it is and you're like, this sounds really awkward. If you just, if you're working, especially experienced, high performing professional people, it goes a very long way. So let's go into risk management with a business, right? Let's get down to the meat of this. Is is it is it risky to start your own business? And this is a discussion I had with my friend, and I think it really depends on who you are and, and what you do. I think for the what what we decided and came to conclusion was that for for some people, opening a business is crazy risky. Um, but for others, actually being an employee is probably riskier. And the deciding factor is really are you someone that's self-motivated? And can get out and work, innovate, and and do we'll do those things. Show up on time, do what you're told, and help others. But specifically, if you if you can work hard, self motivator, communicate with others, and get help, ask for, get help in your business. Like those kind of businesses do very very well. From the small business administration or something like small business association, it says that eighty percent of new businesses succeed in the first year. Twenty um, percent fail, which is, is pretty actually pretty good success rate. You know, if you have an eighty percent chance of succeeding something, that's a way better odds than you're ever going to get a casino. But the again, there's this perception of oh, opening a business is risky, and I think for people that are not self starters, don't like to communicate very well. You know, whether respond whether that's responding to emails or just be you know upfront and honest with people and don't ask for help. Those, for those kind of people, it is a very risky business, right? And one of my favorite shows is Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine. It's so funny to watch him go into business. And it's from our perspective, it's so obvious. Like, 
why that business is failing, why that business owner is not doing well. And, and it usually comes down to one of those things. It's, you know, they're, they're not communicating to the customers. They have, you know, really bad work habits or, and specifically they're not getting help. But when they get help from, from the, you know, the business master, the restaurant master, it, they turn their businesses around. And it's, it's easy to see on a reality TV show how that person was not doing great at business and they needed someone to come to help. But in our own lives, our own workplaces, our own businesses, it's hard to take that self-introspective. And so that can be risky if, we're, if we don't have help and we don't communicate, we don't work hard. But for people that do those things, I know a lot of business owners that do very, 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 very well. And it's, not, it's actually risk, less risky for them to own a business because they're not worried about someone firing them. They're their own boss. And uh, it's all up to them. And since they're high-performing people that honest, hard workers and communicate and do what they're told or do what they say when they're going to say they're going to do it. Business is not that risky at all, actually. <laughs> so, again, this is kind of a meandering get in Cody's head podcast, but because because the thoughts aren't fully developed. And but I think it does beg the conversation of how do we perceive our decisions and what benefits or consequences they're going to have. Mike, you know, if I have the wrap things or summar summarize things up, we can really have wrong perceptions with our decision making. And that's why data is so important. Um, but two, we can be the X factor in our success on a, on a large scale. Yeah. 80% of businesses succeed, 20% of businesses fail. That's, that's from a, you know, 30,000 foot view. But when you get in the nitty gritty of those businesses, there's reasons why they're failing. There's reasons why they're succeeding. There's reasons why some employees do well and some do bad. And you don't have to be the statistic, even though statistics are there hundred percent, but you don't have to be the statistic. If you just do the right thing and work hard and, and provide value and innovate, if you do those things, you don't have to worry about the risk as much other than the random events, you know, the random earthquake, the random, you know, downturn, but then everybody's affected by that. And so it, that's not, that's something you can't plan for. You just kind of move forward in faith. And I've noticed in my own life, if as, as long as I do that, things turn out more often than not turn out for the better. So that's it for masters of energy. And uh, we'll see you next time.